There he goes. One of God's own prototypes. A high-powered mutant of some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, and too rare to die. Welcome to, finally, another episode of uh, the Digital Freemason Podcast for uh, around October 10th, 2006. I'm your host, Scott, and I'll be taking along my excellent adventures through the world of short Masonic educational papers. So, I have to apologize for uh, the, uh, ooh, three, almost four weeks of, uh, I'll say, uh, perceived pod fading as to uh, not getting an episode out here. The, uh, a lot of the service organizations that I uh, am a part of or president of have been uh, ramping up here in September, sort of that whole sort of quiescence over the summertime, and now everything's ramped back up. Now, I hope that uh, most of that stuff is just... Uh, progressing along, all the AGMs and all that sort of stuff are out of the way, and a lot of the heavy lifting is done. And just to make things exciting, there's the, uh, the regular things of uh, a young family and <laughs> an overloaded work environment. And while I'd hoped to have some of the uh, local brethren help me out with the, uh, the content of the podcasts, they were busy as well and were unable to come forth with some of the content, so things just languished here for a bit. But we're back in the saddle now, and hopefully, as I say, Things have settled down to some degree, and I'll be generating eh, the digital Freemason on a more regular basis there. Uh, I did enjoy doing it every week, and we'll hopefully get back on that, if not uh, every couple of weeks. I'll, uh, maybe what I'll be able to do is, as a project manager, I guess it would behoove me to have a better understanding as to what my upcoming workload is, and uh, be able to sort of give you guys a heads up that uh, you may not see anything for the next couple of weeks. I'm here now, you're here now, so let's get started with uh, another quick dip into the big pool of Masonic education. This piece actually just sort of flew by my email here, oh, I'd say probably mid-late September, and it's sort of bases on why Freemasonry lives, and it was written by, quote-unquote, a past Grand Master, and uh, appears to have been published in the Masonic Square, which is a, was a publication in the Vancouver, British Columbia area, in late 1921. It deals with sort of the relevancy of Freemasonry and how it survived today, even though a lot of the its contemporaries at the time of its origi- origination was uh, have since faded away. So we'll just sort of dive straight into it here, and hopefully it's a uh, it's a good piece. And again, it's uh, most of these stuff have been presented in some form or another uh, within my lodge, King George Lodge, number 59, in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So, here we go. Permanency and vitality are not necessarily characteristics of the good. Bad institutions have survived the wrecks of empires, while the shores of time are blackened with the ruins of what were once esteemed benevolent and philanthropic enterprises. Why, then, has Freemasonry outlived almost every other organization contemporaneous with its beginning? To those who have never crossed the thresholds of the Freemasons' temple, and who, therefore, are, are unacquainted with its principles, and the method by which they are taught, this must indeed seem an enigma. They observe that the order does not go out into the highways and byways of life to gather its converts to swell its numbers, that its members do not proclaim its principles from the housetops, however zealous and enthusiastic they may be, that it rarely seeks aid outside of the mystic circle of its own members, that it is not for the praise or applause of men, but relies upon its record of good deeds, quietly and obstinately done. 
Freemasonry courts not the boast of heraldry or the pomp of power to tickle the fleeting fancy and attract the eye of the multitude. Yet today, Freemasonry is a living, potent, moral power exercising an influence for good over the whole world, wherever there are intelligent minds to comprehend its beautiful principles. In view of its organization and mode of growth, that it should be so widespread and progressive almost surpasses human comprehension. Freemasonry, pursuing its even tenor of its ways, exists the same today as it did centuries ago in all its essential principles. It has witnessed the rise, decay, and fall of other institutions professedly originated for the benefit of men, who, without a single shock to itself, governments, societies, doctrines, and isms have all come and gone, and Freemasonry has survived them, still with a freshness and youthful vigor, as if yet in the budding manhood of its, ex of its existence. This wonderful vitality is the natural result of the moral and national principles which form the underlying base of the, its magnificent superstructure. Freemasonry is found upon the moral law, not upon the morality, with a local habitation and a name, but upon principles everywhere self-evident, the natural formulas and responses of human nature, so that among all good men of whatever nationality or clime, of whatever political or religious opinion, it may grow and flourish, a beautiful plant in the garden of the human soul. This moral law, written in the hearts of men, upon which our institution is founded, is even more permanent than human nature itself. History teaches us that gradually, through the ages, human nature has progressed, through the savage, the barbarous, and the civilized, up to the enlightened state. But moral law, changeless as eternity itself, is the same for the wild bushman of Australia as for the learned Greek professor. Not that he understands it in the same, but that does not change the law. The moral law is immutable in human nature. It is not a codified law, but those natural impulses which direct virtuous conduct. Of this law, Cicero said, It was not that only older than nations and cities, but coexist with the divine being, who sees and rules both heaven and earth. For the principle or law which implies the right conduct springs out of the nature of things and, begin, and began to be law, not when it was first written, but when it was first originated. Right and wrong are as eternal as the deity. They are not created existences, but the moral quality of created existences. And Freemasonry is the great interpreter of this law, for upon its immutable and universal basis she has chosen to lay a cornerstone, and she exerts her influence by example rather than by precept. It is a maxim that deed speaks louder than words. The force of example is not open to the charge of hypocrisy. Words may be false, but deeds speak the truth. Good deeds need no other praise than the acts themselves. It has been said that no good act should remain unpublished in the world. But it is also said that every good deed has for itself a golden tongue, a language sweeter or more forcible than the silvery speech of a gifted orator. Whether mankind may be depraved or not, Freemasonry recognizes even a good-naturedness in the ruins upon which to build a noble superstructure. She finds this remnant, this germ of immortality, in the longing of the human heart for a higher and nobler existence, leaving the speculative question of depravity to the philosophers. Freemasonry recognizes the fact 
that this unseen battlefield in every human breast, where two opposing forces meet, but where they seldom rest. It is the innate desire to be good that invokes virtue in the continual warfare with vice. This is no quietus, no position of rest, except in the cowardly surrender of all that is manly, good, and true. It is this desire for happiness, this longing after the beautiful life, that plunges human nature into the sea of unrest. Human nature is ever seeking a higher plane of existence. Nature itself has made it delightful to man to be good, and disquieting to him to know that he is not wholly so, which creates a desire that nothing can, be, that nothing can abate. It remains even after the moral life has been wrecked upon the shoals of ice, sometimes to reassert itself in the strings and pangs of self-accusing consciousness. Who would not rejoice with ineffable joy if he could, could this moment shake off the infirmities of his nature and rise at once to the true dignity of ideal manhood, erect and proud in the consciousness of perfect purity and uprightness of character? Ideal manhood is the goal of Freemasonry. It is a star of hope, the beacon light upon the shore to the mariner mason tossed hither and thither upon the ocean of life. But while the principles of our institution are founded upon the immutable moral law, and the aspirations of our nature reach out towards the grand ideality of perfect manhood, our philosophies and histories teach us that we have a rough and rugged road to travel, beset with many trials and difficulties, and experience and observation have shown us that many go faint and weary by the way. Recognizing, as Freemasonry does, the natural infirmities of man and the mutual dependence on one upon the other, through the various vicissitudes of life. For all the kind offices which justice or mercy requires, its members aid, sustain, and uplift each other by their mutual pursuit of this ideal manhood. In this pursuit by Freemasons, nothing should distract their attention from the common goal. The sordid passion of unworthy ambition, hatred and revenge, should find no place in the existence or growth in our order. Masonic soil should afford no fertility for such passions, they are the great infirmities of our, our nature. Freemasonry, recognizing this fact, has, by the most impressive symbol, symbolic lessons, taught the Mason to keep his passions within due bounds. This lesson does not mean that passions are not to be destroyed, because they are essential to human happiness as nerves, veins, and arteries are essential to life. As, as has been beautifully said, the passions are the gales that swell our mental bark as it sails over the seas of life. Like the wind itself, they are engines of high importance and mighty power. Kept within due bounds, they are the fountains of benevolence, the spring of joy in life. Let loose at random, they are distract and ruin us. It is this injunction concerning the control of our passions and the unity of the Masonic aspiration which keeps discord out of the beautiful temple of masonry. Here, then, is the strength of our fraternity. The man who enters the portals of the Masonic Temple has a right to expect that he is seeking a place where he will be free from the dissension and the wrangles of life, begotten by uncontrolled passions. Here, let him find that freedom beneath the shelter of our institution that has been the shadow of rest for many of the earth's noblest minds. Here, let him find a home for the soul free from the fascist opposition of the world, where no contention should exist, 
but rather a nobler emulation of whose best work can be done and agreed to. It is thus that men are brought together by Freemasonry, in the closest and holiest bonds of friendship, a friendship stripped of the false coverings of flattery and disrobed by the cloak of hypocrisy. Wealth, station, and rank yet rule the world. For this reason, Freemasonry creates a secret, sacred, and holy friendship of its own, controlled and directed by moral law, which is written on the tablets of eternity. In Freemasonry, friendship is worldwide. It knows no nationality, no climes, no creed, no profession, and no belief, except in God, and the immortality of the soul. Cicero, in speaking of friendship, said, What can be more delightful than to have one to whom you can speak on all subjects just as to yourself? How aptly this language describes Masonic intercourse. Man naturally longs for a closer union with his fellow than he would with his ordinary friendships create a more permanent identity of interest and a more intense reciprocation of feelings. He longs for those to whom his elm trusts the secrets of his heart, feeling that they are immovable as before communicated. Freemasonry supplies this natural inborn want of man. True friendship and brotherly love lead straight along the pathway to the cardinal principles of, of our order. Temperance, fortitude, prudence, and justice. These principles should ever be kept in view in the daily transactions of life. They lead us to happiness and usefulness here, and to be a bright immortality ever after. No man can lay up a stone of happiness or utility here or hereafter without adhering to these principles. It is for these reasons that Freemasonry has such an extended influence in the world. It must necessarily have had a wonderful effect upon the organization and the reformation of society. Born in the past, where the caste and rank marked the division among men, its work was to cause them to meet upon the common level of true manhood and to eradicate from their hearts the warring, envy, jealousy, and the strife of creed and clan. But we should all have more Masonic education. Its cardinal principles, in the, all their bearings, should be better understood and more thoroughly impressed. In order to properly appreciate our noble institution and to awaken within ourselves that enthusiasm that it deserves, there must be thorough education, not only in its ritual, but in its philosophy and history. Someone has said that Masonic intelligence is the key to prosperity and the perpetuity of Freemasonry. It has also been said by another that the character of the institution is elevated in the mind of every Mason just in proportion to the amount of knowledge of the, its ritual, symbolism, philosophy, and history. Masonry declares truth to be the divine attribute and the fountain of every virtue. But how, but how to find it unless we educate ourselves? And what a noble pursuit is the search of truth? There is nothing greater. It lies just before our vision, awaiting discovery, but it will not reveal itself without effort on our part. This effort should be our highest pleasure. Ye are the taught to work faithfully in the queries of truth and knowledge, but this implies we have the tools whereby we can work. Education is the skill of the craftsman. As our information increases, the sphere of our mental and moral vision enlarges. Knowledge furnishes eyes with the understanding and enables us to comprehend the mystic meanings of Masonic symbolism. This, understood, points to the life everlasting and enables the Mason to lift the veil of the future and behold the haven of rest and peace which lies beyond. 
with our minds awakened to the Masonic education, to an intelligent appreciation of the great principles on which Freemasonry is founded. We have no fear of perpetuity or prosperity. Then, I say, let there be more Masonic light. It will not engender strife or contention, for, for Freemasonry has no war to make with other institutions. Freemasonry has lived through ages past, because it is founded upon the moral law, embodying those eternal principles of right and wrong. It lives in the present, because human hearts everywhere enthusiastically respond, as, with a, as if with an electric touch, to its beautiful lessons on human life. Teaching, by example rather than by precept, it has a vital power far greater than any mere professions of creed or doctrines. Silent and unseen, the stream of Masonic influences flows down the channels of time into the great ocean of eternity. It flows because of friendship is its subject, true manhood its goal, mutual assistance its inculcated duty, brotherly love its ruling passion, temperance, fortitude, prudence and justice its cardinal principles. Thus founded, it will continue to live and grow until the end of earthly existence, when, as a result of its sublime teachings, it is to be hoped that it will have done its proportionate share of regenerating humanity, and will present to the great architect of the universe its full measure of fashioned materials, polished and fitted for their appropriate position in the eternal temple. So there's a, one Grandmaster's thoughts as to why Freemasonry has survived as long as it has. If you have any other thoughts or on this topic, I'd love to hear from them. My uh, email address is podcast at kinggeorgelodge.com. So until next time, which I, as I said earlier, I hope will be much sooner than later. I'm your host, I've been your host, Scott, and I've enjoyed our time together. If you'd like a transcript of this uh, podcast, visit our, our website at www.kinggeorgelodge.com and uh, leave some comments or email me. We're looking to uh, upgrade our website here and bring in some discussion forums. And I had one suggesting that it might be good to have a discussion forum for each one of the uh, topics that's brought up in the podcast. So that's something I'm looking into doing as, uh, as time permits. So until the next time, I had services up and... Uh, I pop into your earbuds, have yourself a great time, and make sure you're doing your part to keep Freemasonry alive, as well as just keep the shiny side up. <laughs>